Welcome to another episode of Web Dev Weekly, the weekly podcast about web development. Before we get rolling today, I want to call out that we do have a place where you could submit questions where Richard and I will answer them live on the air. The link is in the show notes below. Make sure to check it out and ask us anything that you want to know. So I'm Brad Garropy. And I'm Richard Gatlieber. And this week, we're going to delve into a question that's a pretty interesting question to ask. Who is Brad Garropy? Where did he come from? How did he get his magical superpowers where he uses his fingers to create things that are available across the entire planet? In this week's episode of Web Dev Weekly, we'll delve into these questions and more. Man, you're really overselling me there. Uh, but when you put it like that, it, it does make it seem like coding is pretty magical. But yeah, that's right. Th this week, we're just going to kind of go into uh, how I came to be a programmer, a little bit of my origin story. How did it start? When you were just a wee lad, you know, in the, in the before times, in the olden days, no web development superpowers. Uh, a spider had not crawled out of a keyboard and infected you with altered DNA that enabled you to type code into a computer. What was young Brad like? You know, it's interesting. I actually grew up on like a farm in upstate New York. So in my upbringing, I was outside a lot, but it wasn't till like junior high, I had moved down to Texas. We got our first computer and I was all about that thing. I remember just being very tech focused, whether it just be like games on the computer, figuring out how it worked messing around the command line a little bit. And I think that's what kind of started my interest in technology that obviously, and video games, video games is such a huge factor in like younger kids lives that make you think about things a little bit, you know, whether it be problem solving in a game or thinking about how they made it or, you know, again, transitioning to playing games on the computer, which then opens up a whole world. You mentioned you moved to Texas in junior high and got a computer. Do you remember what your first computer was? Something IBM. It was a, it was like a desktop machine with the old CRT monitor that was like three feet deep and it was loud as hell. Like I just remember hearing the fans and it got super dusty cause it sucked up so much, you know, dog hair and cat hair or whatever. But yeah, it was nothing impressive. I barely, barely remember it. I do remember the desk that it was sitting on though. My dad had made this custom gigantic desk with a, with a green, like vinyl top to it. And that's where the computer desk was. Nice. You know, I wonder just thinking about like my gaming PC and I'm curious about yours. Do you feel like PCs get less dusty these days? It's completely off topic, but I'm just curious. Maybe a little bit. Like I, I, I do think the filters are a little bit better and there's more of them, but I mean, I've opened up yeah. the insides of mine. They're gross. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe it's just that we clean them more because you have the clear sides and you're like, Oh, you can see it. Then you clean it. Oh yeah. But yeah, no, that's a, uh, I feel like this is going to be a very similar initial origin if we, when we get into mine, but given that you started out with this computer in junior high. Were you playing games just on your computer or were you a console gamer? I was a little bit of both. Uh, definitely played PlayStation was my main one back then uh, and computer games. But really the programming and technical aspects 
didn't come in too much around that time. There was like a technology class at school where they introduced us to HTML a little bit. And so I was trying to make like very static web pages with a little bit of CSS. Of course, all this was inlined. Like, I don't even think I knew how to like pull in a CSS file. So I would make websites for drumline or the high school band that I played in. And I was also like just a blanket nerd, to be honest. I, I was in like chemistry club, hung out in the physics room, was in band, was in drumline. And then, yeah, like to make, you know, little websites and tinker with stuff like that. Obviously, MySpace was a part of this as well. Customizing, you know, your page, changing some CSS values to make it look the way you want. And so I think that was the true first moments of web development that I had. That's cool. And then this is high school. You've got the MySpace going on, which I feel like for our generation of developers was a fairly common thing to have that like you know first kind of experience messing with myspace after that you went to college i believe right and what'd you major in in college yeah i i basically had like one idea when i went to college i wanted to do something that i couldn't just learn from a book i wanted something that required me to be hands-on in a lab you know really applying what i'm learning and so engineering was like a very natural way forward in that sense but what's odd is I went to school at the University of Texas at Austin and their like programming courses aren't actually in the College of Engineering. They're in the College of Natural Sciences. So I didn't even consider, you know, majoring in programming or anything like that. So I went right into electrical engineering. Again, it was technical. It was, you know, getting your hands dirty. And that degree is very, very hard at UT Austin. It's like notoriously hard. They're kind of known for that. And over the course of that degree, I took like one data structures and algorithms class. And I probably took two courses that involved programming. One was object oriented Java. And we didn't even build like a web server or anything. It was just like write programs that do things. And the other programming course was microcontrollers. So we wrote a little like C code to control microcontrollers that we would build. that would like flash LEDs or simulate a stoplight or something like that. But even though we only took two programming courses, I was hooked. Those are my favorite courses. Those are the things that I like the most. I like the idea that I could build something from nothing in a sense. You know, when you're, when you're building circuits, you have a bunch of parts in front of you. You're like, yeah, I can make something out of it. And that's cool and all, but programming was like, uh, I'm, I literally have nothing but this computer in front of me and I'm making something from it. And it was the, the logic pieces of that, that I really, really liked because it was always challenging. And it was also creative. And so that's kind of what, what got me going into programming in general. So UT, the university has a great relationship with Dell because they're based in the same city. Every time I would go to like the career fairs, Dell would be heavily recruiting. And so that was my in and how I got my very first job in tech. But because I was an electrical engineer, that first job was to write software or actually firmware for Dell's servers. So it wasn't exactly web development. So I'd like to back up just a little bit before you actually started your career, like in college, you mentioned you had two classes where you kind of got bit by the programming bug a little bit. Did you do anything outside of school related to programming, anything like that? I definitely wish I took more initiative to learn on my own, but 
the coursework that I had was enough to keep me up to like 2 a.m. every night studying. And if I wasn't studying, I was doing what every other college kid is doing and throwing back some beers. Oh, good old misspent youth. All those hours <laughs> of free time, carefree, no responsibilities, plenty of time for side projects. Nope. <laughs> I often look back at my past and think, whew, there sure was a lot of opportunity that was wasted there. Yeah. I guess that's why they call it misspent youth. I could have been way better off at this point had I had the same drive and determination then that I do now. You ended up with a position at Dell doing development on server firmware. And I think it's interesting how you kind of made this big differentiation between, but I wasn't doing anything like web development. So to ask, how do you see web development being so different from that kind of programming? Yeah, I think primarily one of the reasons that web development is different is when you're writing firmware for some kind of server, you, you know the limitations of the device where your code is running on. You have a certain amount of memory, you have a certain amount of space where your application can exist, and you can try to push those bounds as much as possible. And in fact, a, a, lot, of, a lot of the senior people were doing just that. They were trying to make this controller that we were loading code onto push it to its limits, you know? Whereas web development, your code is distributed across the world, right? It, it might actually be getting served from CDNs and then anything that you're running, let's say for instance, JavaScript is actually running on the client's device. And that's a whole nother set of problems. And then you can think about your web applications. You know, you do kind of control the environment that they're running in. You know, whatever DigitalOcean or Linode server that you have that's running your code, but you're not quite as concerned about, you know, memory and space and size constraints. Just a little bit more about performance, probably, because it's, it's not an embedded system. And I think that's, it's just like a hugely different problem space. I can see that. In, in my mind, I kind of just equate all programming on the same field. And it's just that those constraints that you mentioned do change, like depending on where you are or what language you're using. But I don't know that personally, I throw a lot of differentiation in there with like, if you're writing JavaScript for a web program or writing, you know, Rust for a microcontroller or whatever, I view it all as kind of, kind of the same thing with the exception of like CSS and design stuff, because then that's not programming in my mind. That's more, way more artistic. And so I was just kind of curious, like, you know, cause I can, I get what you're saying though. And then probably that comes from your experience with dealing with like onboard programming, where there are all of these like really hard limitations. And that kind of sets up the boundaries of what you're capable of doing. And so maybe that's one of the big differences because I haven't spent a lot of time in that kind of space. Yeah, that's a good point. And also, I also think it was like the environment that I was in. Uh, Dell is a much older, much larger company. They were slow moving, right? All, all the problems that come with a big company. And web development has gained so much traction or just web applications or the internet in general has gained so much traction over the course of the past five, 10 years. And it seemed like the space to be in, it seemed newer, sexier, flashier, and not to mention all these applications were getting very popular, not just in big enterprises, but all these web apps that we know and love were getting built and distributed to 
everybody. And so I think that industry just had a lot of pull. It felt very modern and it was going through a lot of technological advancements at the time. And so contrasting Dell with like these newer quote unquote internet companies, I think it just seemed a world away. I gotcha. That makes sense. When, when did you come across this like realization that there was another world of development opportunity out there? It took a long time. I spent 10 years at Dell. So a very long first job. I did firmware development for six or so years. Then I tried moving up the stack. I stepped outside of the embedded controller and then I started writing Python code to test the embedded controller. And then I kept writing Python code to like automate a lot of our build processes and report on things that were going on in our like integration process. And then I realized that like some web stuff could be cool right there. Like what if I built a web page that showed these statistics or where people's commits are in the flow? And that's probably like eight years into the job when I started thinking more about web applications and websites. And so I started teaching myself JavaScript, HTML, CSS on the side. So I'd come home from Dell and on nights and weekends, I would kind of work on learning all this. Made some big mistakes along the way. I tried to learn React before I learned JavaScript and DOM manipulation and got really good at CSS and things like that. So I definitely jumped too far ahead. But I think that's why it took me like a lot longer to learn it than others who followed like a, maybe a better course or went to a boot camp or something. But it really took me like two years to get everything down to where I really felt like I could build stuff and had a decent portfolio. Gotcha. So on these nights and weekends, when you're kind of teaching yourself, what resources did you use? Like, how did you start? I mean, kind of putting myself in the shoes of somebody who's new to web development, it's both like a blessing and a curse that there is just a ridiculous amount of content and information out there in this space. Granted, more now than there would have been when you were going through it, but still like so much information. How did you kind of sort through that and decide on like a place to start? And what did you start with? Yeah, there, there was no shortage of material, that's for sure. And my goal was to not spend any money as it usually is. But I turned to YouTube first, primarily. I watched guys like Brad Traversy, Scott Talinsky, The Net Ninja. And of course, like West Boss. And those were like all my initial learnings. But the biggest problem I had was like where to start. You know, I, I didn't really know what like a web server did or how HTTP requests work. Or I didn't even in the beginning, I didn't quite understand that like JavaScript could run on the server and on the client. And I had a hard time differentiating between like, was this server code or client code? How does it get to the client? And then how does it eventually end up running? So a lot of that basics of how does a server and browser interact, I did not understand. And I think if you're going into web development today, that's one of the things that I suggest you try to look at from a thousand foot point of view. When a web page is requested, what happens? And where does your server code run? And how does JavaScript, HTML, and CSS get delivered to the front end and execute there? Very, very difficult to wrap my head around. The next yeah. biggest challenge really was like, now that I learned that stuff, how do I, how do I go about finding a new job and get them to like 
understand that I know what I'm doing because I'm coming from a job where I'm like, yeah, I wrote C code for like eight years. I want to be a web developer now. And really that was just all about building a portfolio. So like yeah. you, you build your personal blog, you learn a lot along the way, and then you build other side projects and you put them on your blog and kind of go from there. Right. It's one of those things where it's weird because from the outside, it's like, hey, what do you do? Oh, you're a computer guy, you know, and all programming is kind of, I think, lumped into the same bucket. I mean, I don't know, just thinking personally, like I do this with a lot of professions, right? Like, oh, you're a lawyer. Like that's the same type of thing, right? Like what kind of law do you actually study, like practice and know about? It's completely different areas there. And that's a very good point that like, even though you understand a lot of the fundamentals of programming, the intricacies of like C programming compared to JavaScript for websites are huge. Like the difference there is massive. So that's definitely a good point to call out. Yeah. And so like, I kind of began that journey of like trying to find a company who was going to take a bet on me. Uh, and all along the way, I was just shoring up my portfolio, trying to make it look pretty nice for that company. So if you could go back in time and tell Brad of yesteryear, something like tip for getting started in this transition, is there anything that you tell yourself like, Hey, definitely do not read the blog by this guy named Richard. It's terrible. It's the worst advice ever for web development or something like that. I don't know. I probably didn't have a web development blog back when you were doing this anyway. <laughs> I think, I think I actually did the job search. Well, it was the learning path that took me too long, right? Two years to learn all that is too long. Boot camps can crank out people who do it in 12 weeks, you know? So self-paced learning is definitely tough. I think I would have done something where I joined a learning cohort or something, you know, that like I at least had a, a more solid group of colleagues or mentors along the way. Yeah, this is definitely, I don't know, in the free versus pay thing, one of the advantages of paying for like curriculum or whatever is that you get an optimized version and you don't have to self-select which bits are worthwhile, which ones aren't. You don't have that wasted time of like, oh, hey, I followed this tutorial only to realize that like, you know, halfway through, oh, this is for view one. Oh, well, um, that kind of thing. Yep, that's true. True. So at the end of the day, Adobe was the company that bet on me. And that transition from Dell to Adobe was absolutely night and day. I got into Adobe and I got to use all the latest tech and tools that I was learning and what I kind of walked into was exactly what I was preparing for. You know, there was, it was exactly what I would have expected. And what was even better is that it was a greenfield project and a greenfield team. And so it really enabled me along with my coworkers to set up things that we were comfortable with moving forward. So I, I couldn't have asked for like a better experience. And not only that, like, just like with any interview experience, I went through a lot of bad interviews and a lot of interviews that asked the wrong questions and things like that. Whereas at, a, at Adobe, I was able to articulate like, hey, this is a new area of development for me. Um, here's what I've built. Let's talk about some of that instead of asking me, you know, theoretical questions, right? 
so that I can show you that I know my stuff when it comes to, you know, the daily job there. And they were really good about staying practical. Yeah. Given kind of the sub-career change, I guess I'll call it, how did you prepare for those interviews? Like what advice did you get? What'd you study? All of that. I did put more time into studying for like data structures and algorithms in those interviews than I do now. I feel like seniority should kind of speak for itself a little bit more because I knew I was going through kind of like a, like you said, sub career change. I put more effort into the things that I knew might get asked so that those weren't a tripping point in addition to my lack of experience in web development. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I got data structures and algorithms. I knew that me proving that I could, you know, do web stuff specifically was going to be more of a challenge. Then you stayed at Adobe for a while too, right? I was like two and a half years and I just used Adobe as a chance to like restart. When I walked in the door, I said, I want to treat it like I'm a leader. And so I took every opportunity and talked to every teammate and I was very proactive about setting meetings and, and jumping out and doing things. And I, I think it totally paid off. My time at Adobe was spent, you know, e even further advancing my tech knowledge. I learned TypeScript, I learned GraphQL. Uh, I ultimately built applications that were, you know, pretty large and used by lots of users. And I also was able to advance my career through like promotions or, you know, getting a new title or leadership roles. So I think you know, as you move forward, it's just a good time to like reinvent yourself at every new job. Yeah, that's a good point too. Cause anything from the old you that you want to shed, it's a perfect opportunity. Exactly. And given that I had spent so much time at Dell, at the previous company, you know, there was a lot of baggage there and you need to shrug that off when you walk into the new place. Very cool. And then just recently I talked about your transition to Atlassian. And so that brings us to current day. I'm curious. So we've talked through your kind of like growth from a developer standpoint. Outside of work, what's the origin story of Brad and how has that influenced work? So we know now that you are a band nerd. We've got that one down. <laughs> what else don't we know about Brad? Uh, let's see. Well, after I moved to Texas and went to UT, I got pretty into country music and country dancing and all that kind of stuff. So over time, I became much more of a uh, yeehaw redneck type of guy. Got a big truck, wear a cowboy hat, got a lot of boots, that kind of stuff. Hard to stay away from if you live in Texas. I also you know, got married, started a family. So that whole life transition happened while I was at Dell. So are you learning on the side on the nights and weekends with young kiddos and everything too? Yeah. To this day, that really hasn't stopped ever since I started getting into learning web development. I just keep going. Now I've invented more side projects and created more libraries and checked out more new technologies in, in my free time, uh, which is harder to come by now for sure. But, uh, I'm a night owl. And so after the kids and my wife go down. That's when I get to, you know, sit on the computer and do whatever tickles my fancy. That's cool. I definitely feel like a lot of your 
outside tech kind of hobbies and passions influence your side projects pretty substantially. For sure. Yeah. Like one of my big fun side projects was dailytexascountry.com and it's just all about country music. And I, I built the website and built all the Twitter bots and everything required for it. But also I create the content for the site. It's a, it's a news site about Texas country music. Uh, and then, yeah, I tried to make a weightlifting app way back in the day before I really knew what I was doing with web development and it never saw the light of day, but I keep thinking about coming back to it, it's specifically like a meal tracking application. I guess you could say that kind of app was a pretty heavy lift for a new <laughs> dev. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like going forward, one of the things that stayed constant is I want to keep learning. And I think the next big thing on my kind of to-do list is get a lot better at databases and persisting user information, because that's the real missing piece that I have on the back end when it comes to making like real applications, full stack applications. And that's all just to serve a goal of maybe making some money on the side, you know, creating some SaaS product that I could sell or have memberships to and having a little bit more of a side hustle because it's great that I'm making all these open source libraries and making all these demo projects. But at the end of the day, I want to leverage these skills in a profitable way. That would be pretty cool. Or, you know, you could look at storing data on a public ledger, maybe a blockchain, just saying. Absolutely. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode, we got into web three a little bit. It may or may not be consuming most of my time when I have a free moment. And I think that's a, a common thread that runs through all developers is you have to stay on top of the latest technology and trends because your job will shift as the technology shifts. Unless it's COBOL. If you know COBOL. It doesn't change and it runs our entire financial system. And you can get paid a pretty penny to write it. No joke. But anyway, we'll learn more about COBOL in my origin story. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Thank y'all for tuning in to Web Dev Weekly. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe in your podcast player and check us out on Twitter. You can find our handles in the show notes. We also have a Discord community. That link is in the show notes as well. And don't forget, you can ask us questions that we'll answer live on air. You can find that link in the show notes. See y'all next week.